this is Pastor Ricky Temple. Glad you're with me today. Today we're going to continue our study talking about trap financially. And I want to show you one of the biggest things you can do wrong. And that's isolate. Just you and your money and your problems and your debt. That's not how you do it. I want to show you a lady who got in trouble financially. She didn't expect it. She didn't bring it on herself. It came along with a series of circumstances. It seems like she didn't control. Married to a godly man. And all of a sudden life has fallen apart for her. But I want to show you something. She went and she reached for help. And for you, for some of you, that is the answer. We'll talk about that today. And we'll talk about how to turn your life around. It's going to be great because I want to see you free from the trap. Service starts in just a minute. Don't miss it. Stay right there. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. I'm going to take you on a journey today that I like. I want to talk about money. I want to talk about it in a way that's healthy. I am convinced that sometimes churches um, are just not good at this conversation. And I, every time I've uh, decided to talk about it, I felt uh, a little bit awkward because, I, I, you know, you want people to enjoy what you talk about. But today, as we talk about um, finances, and this is the last part in the four-part series, I call it Trapped. And I answer one question that we were asking all year. Um, why don't people do what they say they're going to do? My answer to that is number is one of the answers I'm going to give. I'm going to give a total of 11 answers all year. But the one answer I'm going to give is they're trapped financially. When your money is funny, uh, it can be difficult. And I'm going to read some verses to you in a minute that will help you see that. But let me just say before I read 2 Kings 4 to you, I have had an interesting journey when it comes to money. God's been good to me. Uh, I make a good salary. I've been treated well. I'm, I thank God for my church. They're kind to me. And I work hard. Uh, I'm a very um, a hardworking, uh, got to make it happen person. So I'm, I'm not lazy and that has done me well. But I've learned something about money. Even if you work hard and you do well and you try hard, you still can get in trouble. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not about how much money I make. I've learned this lesson is what I do with what I make. One more time, it's not how much money I make, it's what I do with what I make. So the more money I made, the more things I wanted to do, the more things I could do, the more things I could buy, the more places I could, you know, go. And I can go in greater style. So if you make 50,000 a year, you'll live at one level. If you make 100,000, you'll live at one level. If you live at 25,000, you'll make it live at one level. And so I've learned that it, it, it's my approach to it. I used to call it Mr. how I manage Mr. Money and that Mr. Money has an attitude. You got to manage him with respect. And a lot of us just don't have the right rhythms and routines. What I'm going to read to you is a story about a woman whose husband dies. And I've been reading this all month. And when he dies, um, the, the problem is she is left destitute. So let me read that to you first. This is an amazing story. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets. This is a preacher man. This is a godly guy. Um, cried out to, the, to Elijah, your servant my husband is dead and you know that he re revered the Lord but now his creditors is coming to take my two sons as his slaves. If you couldn't pay your debts back in this day, they put you in debtor's prison. That's how you paid it off. Sometime with the rest of your life, you spent the rest of your life as a slave because you created a debt you couldn't pay back. Now, you're glad it's not like that because all your children would be gone. <laughs> Maybe you too. This is a, 
an example of some principles that I understand. Because I want you to notice a couple of things. This is a woman in trouble. And if you want to know, most of the time, that's who's in trouble, a female. Women have a harder time. They're the poorest. Women and children are the two poorest groups in, America, in the world, women and children together. And it's really powerful when you look at it. And, it's, it's, and it can be worse if you are um, a minority person. So the, the, the tragedy is women as a gender and children as a class are the poorest in the world. I, uh, I'm also impressed in this story that the husband, the Bible said, was a prophet. He was a spiritual person. This is a guy who was a godly man. He was, and she said it. She said, Elijah, you know, he was a good man. He was. He wasn't a bad guy. So what you understand, good people get into bad trouble when it comes to money in particular. What also impresses me is that all of a sudden he dies. Now, obviously this wasn't expected. And one of the things that I have to realize in my life is I'm not going to live forever. I, I preach funerals. I say it all the time, but it's amazing how we can never think that I will end one day. So he dies. And I'll say some things in a minute to prove that most of us are not prepared. There's no will. There's no conversation. There is no, I, I do a lot of funerals. I deal with a lot of death. As a matter of fact, probably every week. I'm managing one right now. I'm dealing with one every single week. I'm dealing with somebody who died or, or some funeral arrangements or something. You say, well, everybody in your church dying? No, it's just when you have thousands of people and you have a lot of, it just, you run across death a lot. That's just part of the, part of the territory. So he dies and, I, I, and the creditors came. They always come. And, and I didn't understand that when you die that your creditors, they are notified in some cases. And they'll call loans and do things that you didn't expect. But you, if you're not a person who's prepared for that, it could be a tragic moment. And I think that churches can learn a lot from this too. It's one of the reasons why my goal is, my, is, is, is for us, we have one debt in our church and that's our mortgage, which we're prepaying. And the goal is to have no debt, none. And that, that for me, if I were really transparent, is a relatively new concept. Now you might say, what do you mean by that? I believed in, I believe in leveraging, let your money work for you. I believe in, you know, buying houses and, and building up, you know, equity. And I believe in all that. I believe in, in, in making sure that you're a wise um, user of money so that you don't pay more taxes than your fair share. I believe in paying my fair share, but I would create um, tax strategies to protect myself from paying unnecessary taxes. And there are ways to do that. And I, I was responsible and have a great team of people, uh, accountants who help. And so I, I feel that I've been good about that. But, but there are a number of little things, if I'm really honest and transparent, that I did right and some I did wrong. You tell you one thing I did right. I got a will early in life. I went and made sure, and it was really fascinating to me. I don't know if you know this or not, but I made some notes here. 46% of Americans are prepared and have a will. 28% of non-whites are prepared and have a will. 28%. 28%. Think about that. 61% of whites and 67% of English-speaking Asians don't have a will. 
67, 61% of whites and 67% of English speaking Asians don't have a will. A larger percentage of black people, 77% and of blacks and 82% of Hispanics don't have a will. They have no will. Now, these are all online, and I'm going to put it back up again. Let them see that. I want you to see. If you want to get a camera, take a picture of that. You can find the sources for that. I'll put them up for you. The minorities, 61% of whites and 67% of English-speaking Asians don't have a will. A larger percentage of black people, 77%, and Hispanics, 82%, don't have a will. Okay, thank you. Now, I want you to think about that. I, I, <laughs> we're not thinking about the future financially. And one of the things in this series, my goal was to say, if you're not careful, if you don't deal with this, it'll trap you. You can pray, you can go to church, you can dance in the aisle, you can you know, spin around, speak in tongues, flip. But if you don't deal with your money issues, and I, I don't know that I, I think churches are fair when it comes to money. I don't think that the way we, first of all, I don't like the idea that we only teach you to give. We don't ever teach you to save. That you, we only ask you for money. And, and we do it every time we gather. In some churches, when you go to prayer meeting, they ask for an offering. When you go to Bible study, they ask for an offering. When you go to church, they ask for an offering. When you go by and you pass by the building, they ask for an offering. I mean, I'm not against offerings. I believe in giving. And I, I encourage our members to give and tithe and honor God. But I think there's a danger when you don't think about it in a balanced way. And there are three lessons from this lady that I want to talk about that I think you need to learn from. Number one, she managed her isolation by being transparent and confessing her condition. She went to Elijah and said, I need help. I need help. I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, this to me is a real sign of maturity. And how do you know you're in trouble? I have a little rule that I live by in terms of how I can test whether I'm in trouble or not. If you get paid and you don't save any money, you're in trouble. That's a sign you're in trouble. She knew she was in trouble. And if you are getting paid or if you're in a place where you can't save any money, you're in trouble. Number two, you ready? This is just, off, this is just me to you. You ready? If you are a person who's using credit cards to pay for normal expenses, and you can't pay it off right now, you're in trouble. That's why, that's why credit scores are really powerful tools for the financial industry because they look at you and say, here's a person who makes $50,000 a year, $45,000 a year, and they are using credit cards to buy soap and they can't pay it off for a whole six months. Are they, they'll take the credit card, they look at how you spend your money. They're they algorithms that are designed to analyze how you do that. And based on that, they, they determine your, your score, whether you are a high risk or a low risk. And I understand that sometimes you, you don't want to take a step back and look at that, but you put all these factors together. You're unprepared for the future in case you die. That's how her husband, her husband was unprepared. Godly man with the church, praise, saying, prophet. Talk about God. But when it came to his money, things weren't right. And ended up leaving his wife and two children, his two sons, in trouble, in danger of being slaves. Right now, if you died, where would you leave everybody? Right now, today. I think what's impressive is this woman realized she was in trouble, and she went and asked for help. Second thing I want you to think about. 
she was faced with the loss of her husband and the potential slavery of her sons. This was going to become a generational trap that would not just stop with them. It's going to travel throughout the family. If you don't deal with this, this is going to be a family problem forever. And some of you have seen that. This has been in your family for generations already. Third lesson from this girl I learned is she acted on advice she was given. Elijah told her what to do. And you can read the rest of the story on your own. She went and she gathered oil and, she, and thing, you know, all that worked out for her. But at the end of the day, what I want you to notice is this is a person who was in a bad place because she couldn't face. She, well, first of all, she obviously didn't have any control. Her husband did. And that's a whole other conversation. You're in a position where you have no control. You have no voice. You have no knowledge. And so you are potentially a victim. I've seen this a lot. I've seen um, one spouse dies. The other spouse has no knowledge and they're in a bad place. You have to think about yourself. And I want to be careful how I say this. I'm not trying to say get at odds with your family and I'm not trying to say go take over the money. I'm just simply saying you have to be aware about, we have to be aware of what you don't know. You have to be knowledgeable about what you don't know and be fair. Now, if I'm honest, boy, that's a thought hit me. I don't think I've always been fair to Diane. Here's where I've been fair. I've been fair in that I've always paid everything. I've always been responsible. I always worked. And I always, our bills have always been current. Nothing's been ever repossessed or nothing like that. But there were times when I think I was really overprotective when it came to our money. There were times when I think uh, I, I needed to know, but she didn't necessarily need to know all that. And some of it was because Diane is different when it comes to money than me in terms of the way she manages it. Diane was always been zero debt. And I was like, oh, please, I can owe something. I don't mind. I was more tolerant of debt. Uh, and we just didn't, we didn't mesh when it came to that. And so she'll argue and say, he's entrepreneurial. We have what we have because of him, because he's very entrepreneurial. He'll make, you know, he'll, he'll take risk and invest and all that. Diane's real safe, real safe, like savings account safe. You know, she'll invest in stocks and stuff, but that's not her, her main thing. Me, I like the risk. I like the, you know, I like the little buzz you get and all that. And I hate when I lose. I hate when I lose money. But the point is I'm willing to take the risk. So we kind of found a way to merge our, our differences together and we're better now than we've ever been. But part of the issue, if I can go back, I would probably migrate a little bit more to her side and I would say, save more. I would tell myself because I want you to be prepared. And here's, here's another thing I just want to drop in as a free, free thought. I believe in insurance. I believe in having insurance in case something goes wrong. I think that's great. But I don't think you should rely on insurance to be your big savings in case something happens to you. I think you want to get to the point that you have cash and assets. You want to make sure that you, you're a homeowner if you can. You want to get to that place where you, you move past being in debt all the time. You want to get past giving out your paycheck to everybody. You want to get to the place where you don't have unnecessary obligations that tie you down. You don't want to be the guy that everybody in the family runs to and takes all your money and leaves you in a bad place. You want, to, you, want to, you want to graduate from this place. You want to get to a place where you're not trapped. I'll tell you one of, the, one of the most amazing things that happened is when you're not trapped, you don't act certain ways. Most churches are trapped. They have buildings and low cash. Now, that's for a lot of reasons. Sometimes the members that attend those churches are cheap. They don't give. They tip God. They spend more on their hats 
and more on their clothes than they do honoring God. And so you got a group of broke people. Families are like that. Some families, you're cheap. You're not fair to each other financially. And so the family doesn't share wealth. You don't share money. You, you know, you, you, as a matter of fact, you, you take joy in watching each other suffer. Car broke. See now, catch that bus now because you don't have them tires. Can't ride on them ball tires. Now you got $5,000 in the bank, but you won't go buy your kids some tires. Well, I, I raised them. I fed them. See, you're missing the point. I never, we never played that game in our family. I just don't believe in being blind, a blind investor. I told them that. I don't do that. I got, we got to put the money on the table. We're going to talk. Work together. We got to work together and open. Okay. But I do believe that we should, we should, as families, band together. That's why people are broke. You're broke sometimes because your families don't unite and honestly help each other. If your tires are bald and we're in the same family and we can all give $50 and get you some tires, let's do it. Let's band together. You know, if, if the kids are, are struggling and need something and a cousin needs something, I think we all should band together and do it. We should band together. It's a key word together. I don't believe in being the rich person in the house and the family and everybody called me. I don't believe in that. I think that's, that's usury and abuse. But I do believe that there's creating a, an atmosphere of sharing. Church is the same way. When church members understand we're all in this together, we all need to be consistent. We all need to give, honor God. You may not be a tither. I think I'm believing, I believe in tithing. I believe in honoring God with 10%. When I get paid, I, I, that's the first thing I do. That's the first check I write. That's the first, that's the first thing I charge. Because I believe in honoring God. Because I want God to give me his best. You may say, well, we don't have to tithe. Now, you know, you don't. You can do what you want to do. But I pray you reap what you sow. If you believe in giving less, may God give you less. That's all good. I, I believe in the, in, in the number I heard and read, Malachi 3.10, I believe that works. I, do you believe that if you don't tithe, you, you're not going to be blessed? The Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. You may not believe in that. That's okay. If you don't believe in tithing, I'm not going to argue with you. I used to. But I believe in giving God my best. And I believe that if I'm generous, and not just with God in terms of giving to church, but just in life in general, there's something about a spirit of generosity that leads to blessing. And I believe if you, if you want to be, get free from the trap of finances, you have to, as a group, make a decision. As a church, if you're a church, as a group, we're going to, okay, all chip in and we're going to make this happen. We're going to all chip in and we're going to be a part of this solution. We're not going to just sit back and watch somebody do this. We're going to all do it together. As a family, you got to say, we're going to all chip in and we're going to make this happen. As a married couple, you're gonna, we're going to all chip in. Now, this is important. We're going to all chip in. And, and it doesn't have to be equal. It, it doesn't have to be equal. It can be different. You can give less than your partner, but you got to be in the fight. You don't need to be a person who just watches them suffer. That's your job. And I loathe this statement. You a man, and it's your job. You need to be by yourself, if that's your opinion. My opinion. Not just me. You didn't marry me. You married them. You with them. You ain't got to worry about them. Don't be mad with me. I'm just telling you how I think. I don't, I don't think that's fair. I'm not saying we got to give the same. If I make way more than you, I'm not saying that. But you got to at least be willing to get in the fight. And if you are not going to be able to financially contribute, you need to contribute in other ways. House need to be clean. You know, the, everything else around us need to be. So you need to do the books, do something, you know, manage the money. I don't know. Do something. You got to be in the You got to contribute. See, I believe you reap what you sow. And I, I really believe that. I think some churches, and I'm going back and forth a little between churches and families, some churches are financially struggling because they got cheap members 
who, who don't honor God, who only want to come and suck out all the word and anointing they can get. And then when they have a need, they come and ask for benevolence. Now, I want to say something, and I don't mean any harm when I say this. Now, I want to say this because we help a lot of people. So I don't mean any harm when I say this. One more time. I don't mean any harm when I say this. I have noticed that there's a direct link sometimes between the need in a person's life and their lack of generosity. That when they had money, they didn't give to anybody else. So when they need money, nobody gives to them. And they think that's, oh, an accident, that people are just insensitive. No, you're reaping what you have sown. You have not sown. You've not been generous. How much money have you given to anybody outside of your kids? When you had money, no, no, no. When you had money, what's the most you've ever given? Are you always in line to get the free, free meal? And you don't even need a free meal. But you go out there and get those free meals, and you got a house full of, full of food. You don't give anything to anybody. There's something about generosity that changes everything. And I believe that you're going to be trapped until you change, until you sow differently, until you give differently. And when you do, the world around you can change, and everything around you can be different. Let me close with three uh, big thoughts that I want you to remember that I think are important. And they come from the book I recommended earlier in the year. It's called The Psychology of Money. Uh, by um, It's called Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness by, by uh, Morgan Housel. And these three principles I want to leave you with because I, I they help me. Man, I, I read this and I got, I got excited. Here's what he said. The first thing is he said, I want to be unbreakable. And I'm going to quote him. You ready? More than I want big returns, I want to be financially unbreakable. And if I'm unbreakable, I'm actually, I actually think I'll get the biggest returns because I'm, I'll be able to stick around long enough for compounding to work wonders. Now, let me explain this. The, really way, the way to make money is really make money with compound interest. That's why the credit card companies make so much money with your money. They charge you compounded interest. You pay on that every day. You pay interest every day for everything you owe them. And they charge you these outrageously evil rates that they don't have to charge you. But because it's about money, they charge you these rates. Now, they may say, oh, it's risky. No, it ain't that risky. You guys are making billions of dollars. You don't have to charge people that. They're way over what they should charge you. And the Bible talks about, in, in the Old Testament, about the danger of, of, of charging unfair interest. Israel was forbidden to do that. But moving past that, Housel makes a point that your goal in life should be to be able to survive downturns. So, for example, if the stock market is, is, um, is going down, he says, well, you should be in a good cash position so that you don't have to sell your stock when it's down because you've got cash. And the compound, you'll compound over time. Dollar cost averaging is one of his favorite ways to, to, to invest. You give a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, $15, $50 a month, $50 a month. And if you wait, the market's going to go back up. Don't think it's going to go up to 20%. He says maybe 8%. Keep up, keep up. But the key is time and longevity. That's why I love this book because he says it's time and consistency. But here's the big point. You want to make sure that when the economy goes down, you don't have to go on your 401k. You don't have to go and borrow off, off of money that you've been trying to save. You're unbreakable, he says. How much money before you're breakable? $1,000? $500? What's your breakable number? His point is strive to be unbreakable. And, and he spends a lot of time in the book talking about the, how in his early days he, re, he, re, he struggled with his father because his father was a fierce saver, but it made him unbreakable. My goal is to see our church be unbreakable. My goal is for me to be unbreakable. I want to have, I want to have 
I want my, my income here and my debt here. And that, and that gap between is what helps me. I don't have to go and sell and cash in my, my 401k before I should. I don't have to do certain things if, if, if I've made certain decisions. And that's important because if you're not careful, you'll, you'll do that. And I've learned those lessons. Second thing he says is be prepared for the unexpected. I love this quote. He said, planning is important, but the most important part of every plan is to plan on the plan, not going according to plan. <laughs> I love that. Plan on the plan, not going according to plan. And I've seen that in my life over and over again. I've seen a plan I had, a good financial plan, a good strategy, and it didn't go according to plan. I didn't get the money. I didn't get the interest. The stock went down or something happened. or I didn't make the money I thought I was going to make. I've just unexpected bills, something, the roof leaks, something happened. I've seen it happen. The car breaks down. I've seen a lot of plans go awry. And his point is be prepared for those unexpected moments because they're coming. Whether you prepare for them or not, they're coming. And the third thing he says is this, be optimistic and a little paranoid. Listen to this quote. He said, a barbell personality, that's what you need, optimistic about the future, but paranoid about what will prevent you from getting to the future is vital. So on one side of the barbell, right, you're optimistic, right? But on the other side, you're paranoid. He calls it a barbelled personality. Well, you, you understand I got to be a little bit paranoid. I got to be sure that things may not be like I planned it. And if I, can, if I can balance that out in my life, if I can find a way, I'll do better. Let me tell you, the goal is to not be trapped. Many of you have been, you've been in church all your life. You are as trapped as you get. And you know what you're doing? Walking in what I call willful, well, it's not what I only call it this, but willful blindness. Willful blindness is a term that's used by a lot of people. It's a legal term too, describing how you kid know, could know, but you choose to be blind. Willful blindness. And that's the next series we're going to take on. We're going to talk about the truths that you've refused to know. And for some of you, it's money. You refuse to know this. You refuse to deal with this. And you know what? It's, it's been in your life. And sadly, it will stay in your life until you pause and say, I need to hear you, Pastor Ray. Now, I want to say I have spent my heart, poured out my heart. Let me say it that way. And I've, I've, I've given my life to being transparent and honest. I live by that. I teach my kids that. I told them, be transparent. Tell the truth. Put it on table. That's where blessings are. Put it out there. And I want to say to you, that's something I pray you do. It's time for you to be transparent. Put the money on the table. Tell the truth. Some of you, are, you're sitting in the room together and your spouse, you're married, and you say, boy, he's telling the truth. He's talking to us, and I am talking to you. It's not going to change until you do that. And here's what I've learned. It doesn't matter how much money you make. The money, I mean, the amount does help, you know, because you can get things right. I made some big money moves and put some things right in my life in the last couple of years. I said, you know, let me just move this over here and pay this off and, and just get, get, put things right. Let's just get things right. And it was wonderful. Good decision, right time, worked out well. But I must make sure that I don't forget what I learned. For some of you, you've forgotten what you've learned. You've lost your perspective lost your way and it's time to find your way. Now I want to close with this. It's time. Time to make a change now. It's time to say, okay, I get it. One of the great joys of my life and in some ways 
it's an emotional struggle. Because um, I did a paper in um, my doctoral work um, and um, the paper was designed um, <laughs> to analyze my life. And you had to write, I think it was 10 pages on what's wrong with you, pretty much. What do you need to work on? I thought it was a nosy paper, person, but then the research um, program I was in, that's part of what they did asked to me nosy questions. And, but anyway, so this paper, and, um, and I answered the questions honestly. You had, you know, based on the, the outline they gave us, you had to, you know, talk about things you did wrong, things you did right, things you learned, what you changed, and so on. And um, when I finished the paper, the, the professor gave me, gave me an A, but he gave me a low A, like a 92, something like that. So, you know, 93. So I called him and I said, I want to know what happened to my rest of my points. Why did I get that? He said, well, you weren't critical enough of yourself. And I said to him, I said, I, I've, um, and this is important, and I thought it was, for me, an important thing. I was honest in that paper. I don't have those problems anymore. I, I, I mean, I told you, I, I've changed. I, I, see, there comes a moment when people can't always believe you graduated. Now, he said, well, you got a 4.0, let it go. I did. I, thank God I, I did good in the whole program, 4.0. But here's the deal. I've learned something. I've learned that there can come a moment when I'm free. The day can come, you dream with me, when you don't owe people. Your paycheck is your paycheck. The day can come when you're not waiting after church to see what the offering is going to be because you got enough money in the bank to pay your bills. The day can come when, when, when at the beginning of the month you can transfer all, of your, all the money you need to pay your bills into one account pay them out of that account and you already at the beginning of every month have the money. You're not waiting for the next paycheck. Next paycheck doesn't even affect your ability to pay your bills. It affects your ability to save for the next month's bills but you already got enough. And imagine what it's like to be, to be able to buy what you need, have what you need and not have to play games. That every Sunday when you preach you're not worried about what your offering sermon is going to be too. Imagine what it's like to not have to need something, to just be okay. I'm not talking about rich and famous with boats and I'm not all that's phony. I'm not talking about that. That's nice for those who have it. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just simply saying that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about not being trapped. That's what I pray for you. Let's pray. Father, I pray today in Jesus name. Free people from this bondage of financial chaos. May this series inspire them to not be isolated, to reach for help, to let people help them. And I pray they'd rise to a new place. I give you praise for this season. I pray for prosperity. I pray for blessing and grace in Jesus' name. Now I pray for those who don't know your Savior. Some of those folks who've never given their life to Jesus, may this be the moment they pray this prayer. Pastor Rick, you talked about money today, but I see it in my life. I need God in my life. And so I surrender my life to him. I've, I've never even honored God. I've not been generous. I've just been all about me. But Father, today I give my life to Jesus. I give my life to God and I open my heart to a life-changing direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you learned a lot today. You saw how someone who was in trouble reached out for help and got help. You know, a lot of you are in trouble and you can get help if you reach out for it. 
Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we've heard a message today that inspires us to reach beyond our borders and ask for help and find someone who really cares, who can help us come with a plan to get to a better place. And I pray, God, that you would touch the hearts of those today who feel isolated financially. They're in a struggling place. I pray for victory and freedom in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me for the series. If you missed any of it, go back and listen to all of it. And if you love it, link it and send it to a friend. I believe you should share the word to help somebody else's life be better. Go and be blessed and don't sit there and suffer by yourself. Ask for help when you need it. God bless. Have a great day.